Hey everyone, welcome to Tom French Preaching. This is the podcast of me, Tom French, preaching. I'm a guy who lives in Melbourne and does Bible talks for youth and other people around Australia and all over the internet. I'm also the author of a few books, including Weird, Crude, Funny and Nude, The Bible Exposed, The Pop's Devotion Series, and A Dozen Disappointing Disciples. If you want more information about my books or to see what else I've been up to, go to my website, tomfrench.com.au. Let's get on with the talk. Well, judging by the stage, it's almost Christmas. And uh, one of the things that's been happening uh, in the lead up to Christmas is we've been getting a lot of, you know, uh, messages or people talking to us about how uh, Australia Post is, uh, is having some d- delays due to COVID-19. So if you want to buy stuff, you should uh, buy it early so that it arrives on time. So uh, I wonder if anyone here is currently waiting on a package from Australia Post. Are any of you waiting? Yeah, okay, great. Any, any of you uh, waiting on a, on a package that, uh, that, that should have been here a while ago, but it hasn't turned up yet? Yeah, yeah, great. There's at least one of you. Yeah, so, and I'm sure we've all kind of experienced that lately, that, uh, that waiting for Australia Post is, uh, is really a little bit like waiting for God to do stuff, I think, because they're inscrutable and they'll do things in their own time. We don't know what exactly is going to happen or when it's going to happen. You can, you know, I, I can send a package from, Sydney, from here to Sydney and it takes three days, but I can send something from Melbourne to Melbourne and it takes two weeks. I don't know how that works. Australia Post moves in mysterious ways. They say uh, that you can deliver things and, and get express post or be there the next day. But uh, just like with the Lord for Australia Post, a day is like a thousand years <laughs> sometimes. We don't know. Things, things could turn up at any point in time. And then when they do turn up, if you're not ready for it, then they say, well, we tried and you weren't home. You're like, well, I was home. Where, why, were you at my home? I don't know what happened. We, we wait and we don't know when it's going to turn up, but when it does, we've got to be ready. Uh, what we see in this passage uh, is that we have people who are waiting. And they're waiting for God to work. And he, well, they don't know when he is going to work, but he, they just know that he will work. We meet uh, Zechariah and his wife, Elizabeth. And these are two people who are quite old. Uh, old enough that they, well, they couldn't have kids when they could have kids. And then by the time they're this age, they now can't have kids, if that makes sense. Uh, I, I probably could have phrased that better, but I didn't write it down. Anyway, so, but they're old and they have no kids. And, and so they're, but they're faithful people. And they're people who uh, are from the priestly uh, lines. They have, there is uh, Elizabeth, who is a descendant of Aaron, the, the first high priest of Israel. Uh, there is Zechariah, who is uh, from the priestly division of Abijah. Uh, these are people who are not just the, uh, religious because of their upbringing. They're not just nominally uh, religious people. They are faithful people who uh, observe all the Lord's commands and decrees, that they are righteous and blameless people. And uh, we meet them at, the, at this point in time where uh, Zechariah has been chosen to serve in the temple. And uh, this is not something that you would think if you're, you're the priest, then they'll serve in the temple very regularly. But uh, there was only one temple and there were a lot of priests. Uh, in uh, in Zechariah's 
uh, division, there was, they said, about 18,000 priests. And so you didn't get, you know, put on the roster very often. In fact, you got chosen by lot, as it said. And this was a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to serve in the temple. And uh, this was his chance. And he got chosen. And this was the thing that you look forward to it your whole life and then you get to do it and then you talk about it for the rest of your life because that was it. Kind of like, I suspect, uh, you know, when you get to carry the Olympic torch. You know, the Olympics don't turn up very often. They turn up here more often than, you know, other places in the world. You know, I think it's the third time for Australia coming up. Very exciting. Only 11 years away. Not long now. <laughs> And you might get to carry the torch. And if you do, I don't know how you get picked, but if you do, you'll be like, I got to carry it. You do it once in your life, and then you'll talk about it for the rest of your life. And that's kind of like what is here. He's, you know, offering a sacrifice to God. So there's probably torches involved there too as well. And uh, he is uh, in the temple and he's by himself doing this service. And then suddenly there's an angel right there with him. And he is terrified, which is understandable. Like if someone random turns up in your workplace, that might be a little bit terrifying. Uh, if someone turns up in your workplace and they have flaming wings and a sword, that'll be even more terrifying. I don't know if that's what the angel looked like at this point in time, but I'm going to imagine it that way. And so the angel uh, says... Uh, not to be afraid. That's what, he, what the angels always say because it's a scary thing when they turn up. I get shocked sometimes when I walk around the corner in my apartment and my wife is there and she lives there. So an angel <laughs> is going to be a whole lot more scary. Uh, but the angel says, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. And so the question is, well, what is this prayer that Zechariah has been praying well, it could be the prayer uh, for a child because he goes on to say, your wife, uh, Elizabeth, will bear you a son and you are to call him John. It could be that prayer, but I don't think it is that prayer because they, they know how biology works and Elizabeth is not having a child. And I think they would have stopped praying that prayer a while ago. Not that they stopped uh, believing in God, but they just know how things work. So that, that's the prayer that's been done with. But there is another prayer that I think they were praying because they are faithful people. Prayer that, that God would restore Israel. Prayer that there will be a time when God would send his Messiah to live and to reign in Israel, to, to bring the restoration of his people. And that is the prayer I think that the angel is referring to here. And this is what God is going to do. Uh, he says, uh, they'll, they're going to have a son, they'll call him John, and he will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he'll be filled with the Holy Spirit, even before he is born. He'll bring many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make people make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Now, we heard a word similar to that in the reading uh, in Malachi chapter 4, uh, the, the very last chapter in the Bible, the last time that prophecy, sorry, in the Old Testament, the last time that uh, a prophecy was recorded in the scriptures of the old covenant people, uh, that is what God said. And now the first time uh, that we hear God speaking again in recorded scripture in the new covenant time, or almost at the new covenant time, it is a reference back to this. That, that John is coming and he is going to be, uh, do a ministry that is in the 
the spirit of Elijah. He's not going to be Elijah himself reincarnated, which when you read Malachi, it's like, is Elijah actually going to turn up? But he is going to do the work of Elijah to be faithful in Israel and call Israel back to faithfulness so that they are prepared for the day of the Lord. And the day of the Lord is going to be not exactly what they expected it to be. It's not going to be uh, this terrifying time when God turns up and destroys the wicked, but God will turn up and wickedness will be destroyed in himself as he takes on the sin of the world upon himself in Jesus Christ. But before that happens, the last Old Testament prophet is to come, and that is John. And he is there to call people to righteousness. And that is what uh, the, the angel is promising, that Elizabeth and Zechariah are going to be part of that. Their child is going to be preparing the way of the Lord. And so when Zechariah hears this, he asks the angel, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man and my wife is well along in years. And this seems like a reasonable kind of question to ask uh, because he understands, you know, how things work. It's like if I was to turn up to an old couple walking down the street and say, guess what? You guys are going to have a kid. They'd be like, what are you talking about? How could that be? Can you, have you seen how old we are? Like, that would be a reasonable question to ask. Except that I think Zachariah, you know, he is asking a reasonable question, but he is not asking it to a reasonable person because he is asking an angel. It's like, Gabriel's like, do you, do you see who you are talking to? I am an angel. <laughs> I would not lie to you. I've come from the presence of God. I'm Gabriel. I, you read about me in the Bible when you were a kid. I'm, I'm that angel. Like, don't ask me that. Of course, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to pull a prank. You know, that's the Tom French translation. <laughs> and he says, well, if you want a sign, well, then here's the sign. You won't be able to speak. Uh, and that's a sign to, to Zechariah that, that, that this is true, but also uh, a, a, a very light punishment <laughs> uh, that, because he has not believed the word of God that has come to him. And so he will not speak uh, because God is now going to speak. And God is speaking, saying, the time is now uh, when, my, uh, when I'm getting my people ready for the arrival of the Messiah. And so Zechariah heads out of the temple and everyone uh, is there waiting for him to say the priestly blessing that he would have said as he exited, but he cannot speak anymore, so he can't say it. So they're like, well, something's happened in there. What happened? And he's like, they're like, well, we don't know. Oh, well, off you go. See you later. So he heads home uh, and no one knows what's going on. But then Elizabeth, she gets pregnant uh, and she goes into seclusion for five months And uh, it doesn't tell us why this happened. I assume it's because she didn't want everyone saying, how are you pregnant? You are so old. She was probably like, I do not want to have to deal with that. And so she goes into seclusion and her response is different to her husband's. He says, the Lord has done this for me. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. She doesn't have a lot of questions. She isn't saying, how can this be? I'm so old and what's it going to be like? How is labor going to work? I don't know how, like I'm very old, God. Have you noticed? She doesn't say any of that. She just thanks God for what he has done, praises him and accepts the blessing that he has given to her uh, because she is uh, prepared to be part of God's big plan. And so what does this passage have to teach us today? Well, I don't think it is teaching us that to be, to be like Zechariah and Elizabeth, and that if we are a faithful people, that God's going to answer all our long-term prayers. I don't think that's what it's saying. 
I don't think it's an encouragement to very old couples that they can get pregnant. There's, it's very rare that that happens. And when it does happen, we see it in the Bible happening. It happens to very few couples and those people play a role in the salvation history of God. Uh, so that's not what this passage is about for us. But I think what it does say to us is that we have a role to play too as we are people who are waiting that we are not in the same position as Zachariah and Elizabeth, and we're not in the same position of the people who were living in those days, but we are in a different place and a different time, but we still have a call on us to wait faithfully and to wait expectantly. Uh, for Zachariah and Elizabeth, uh, they are people who are part of uh, God's chosen people, the Israelites, uh, who <clears throat> were chosen uh, through uh, Abraham, who became a people who lived uh, in uh, in Egypt and were enslaved in Egypt till God rescued them. Uh, after being rescued, uh, they, they were able to live in the uh, promised land and God promised that he would send a Messiah to come. And so they were waiting for God's king to come, waiting, waiting for the time, uh, through the time when they were disobedient, when they were taken into exile and when they came back and they reestablished themselves in the land, still waiting and waiting until this time uh, when now God has promised that is, the time is now. Time is coming when God's Messiah will turn up. After, after 400 years of silence from God, he's saying, now is the time. Now is the time. And, and the response of Zechariah and Elizabeth uh, shows us somehow how we can respond. We are not in that time, though. We have seen the Messiah come. We know who he is. He is Jesus Christ. He is not just any old king. He's not just the king for the people of Israel. He's the king for all people. The king who lived on earth showing us who God is. The king who died for us and the king who rose again. But also the king who promised that he is coming again. And that is where we are now. We are waiting for him to return. His Holy Spirit is here with us, dwelling in us. And we wait. And we wait and we wait. And the question is, how will we wait? Will we wait faithfully? Will we wait unfaithfully? Will we wait like Zechariah, faithfully, but with some questions? Or will we wait like Elizabeth, faithfully, expectantly, and joyfully? Well, I think the first way that we can wait for the arrival of Jesus is just unfaithfully, to assume that he's just not turning up, that it's been a long time and whatever he said probably wasn't true. And we can just give up on the arrival of Jesus. Uh, when I was in school, I remember there was often, well, not often, there were sometimes times where you'd turn up to class and uh, the teacher wouldn't turn up for a little while. And you're waiting and you're like, maybe they're never turning up. And so you'd wait like 30 seconds. You're like, they're not, they're not here. Oh, that's pretty good. And then you'd head into the classroom and then you'd sit around and then five minutes would go by. The teacher still wouldn't turn up. Everyone's conversations would get a bit louder. Uh, people would start turning around in their chairs to talk to each other instead of waiting uh, quietly. And then after about 10 minutes, someone would get out a footy and start kicking it around the room and, and everyone would rearrange the desks. The, the introverts would pull out their books and just bury their heads in them. And then after about 15 minutes, one kid would stand up and say, well, they're not coming, so we're illegally allowed to leave. And they'd get up and they'd walk out, and then someone else would be like, oh, is that true? Okay, I'm off. And then half the class would go, and I always wanted to be those people. I wanted to leave as well, but I was like, well, maybe they're going to turn up, and if they do, I'll get in trouble. And so I'd sit there for the entire 80 minutes waiting for the teacher to turn up. But I also wanted to leave. 
And that is unfaithful waiting for the teacher, but it's certainly a much more exciting way to do it, uh, particularly if you're in school. But I think we can respond like that to Jesus coming. Now, this is not how Zechariah and Elizabeth wait, but it is how I think a lot of us have, can respond to Jesus. That it, ha- it was a long time ago when Jesus said he was coming back, and, well, he's probably not coming. And so there is now no uh, hold on us that we need to obey God, that we need to be faithful. Uh, there, there is no reason why we should, uh, we should live a life that is different because there is no imminent arrival of the King. And so God has no say over how we do our relationships, or how we do our work. God has no say, and so we do not wait. We just get on with our lives because there is no time, there is no day of the Lord when He will return. So the challenge for, for you, if that's you, is to, to say, no, actually, this is true, even though it might be a long time that God calls us to faithful waiting, to be like Elizabeth and Zechariah, to wait faithfully, knowing that His promises will come true. And even if there are hundreds of years, thousands of years between when the promise was said and when the promise comes true, He is still coming. But then there is uh, those of us who uh, are still waiting and we're trying to wait faithfully. And we're waiting uh, faithfully, but maybe we're not waiting as expectantly or as joyfully as we could be. And if, if I was to say I'm like anyone, then I'm like Zechariah, that I'm working hard to be faithful. I'm, I'm trying to be faithful, but I don't think a lot about the return of Jesus. I rarely pray for Jesus to come back. Uh, I do sometimes, like when things are particularly bad in the world, sometimes I'll let out a prayer saying, come back, Jesus, please. Um, but I don't pray for it that often. I don't get that excited about it. I just kind of plod my way through life so that if an angel was to turn up today and say, Jesus is coming back tomorrow, I'd say, are you sure? I mean, I, he wouldn't because the Bible doesn't say that's how it's going to work. But if that is how it happened, I would be like, eh, I don't know. I'd be in the Zechariah kind of land. And, uh, and I don't know, maybe that's, that's what you are like. Um, maybe you are someone who is just kind of plodding through life working at being faithful, but you're not as expectant as you could be. I don't know what your house was like during the pandemic. Uh, My house, uh, we were pretty messy in our house. We did not clean that much. We were like, you know, if things, the benches in the kitchen were particularly bad, you know, we'd wipe them down. And if the toilet got particularly gross, we'd clean it. And, uh, you know, if there was, you know, a large pile of food somewhere on the floor, then we'll, you know, put that under the couch and, uh, you know, we wouldn't deal with it much. And then we had a baby and then it was like, well, <laughs> you know, piles of food, who cares? You know, she's, she can't get to them. It'll be fine. We'll just walk around it. And, uh, you know, okay, it wasn't that bad because, because, <laughs> you, because I, you know, if it was just my, me living in the house, then it'd be fine. I'd be like, you can all judge me, but I, you know, my wife, you know, she is there too. And she is like, no, actually we should pick up that food. Uh, Tom, please don't leave your burgers on the ground. That's a bad idea. Uh, anyway, so, so then uh, when the pandemic was happening, I kind of lived in this kind of way that was like, well, you know, some point people will come to visit us, but not for a while. And so why should I clean up? But then very recently, the government was like, you can have visitors now. And we we're like, great. And I was like, oh, hold on. We better do some cleaning. <laughs> And uh, we had people come down from Sydney to visit us, our family, and, uh, and we we're like, we better clean the house. And so we we're like, you know, do we have time and space to clean the house? What are we going to do? We kind of made, you know, plans for we can clean this area and that area. And, you know, when the baby's asleep, then we'll do this. And then we can take the baby out and then you can clean this bit. 
And when we had our first visitors over, you know, as they, they got to the, f- the front door of our apartment building, they put in the number, we're like, come on up. And then still, as they were kind of coming up in the lift, we were like shoving things behind doors and into drawers <laughs> and under couches. And, uh, and so that when they turned up, we were like, welcome. And everything looks marginally nicer than it did before. Uh, because we were not prepared for them to arrive. Even though we knew the time was coming, when they would be able to come, we were not prepared. And that's what my life is like. If Jesus started coming down from the sky, I'd be quickly shoving things into the you know, closet of my heart and you know, pushing my, making my life look nice so that when he turns up, I'm like, oh, I'll be waiting for you the whole time, Jesus. It's great to have you here. And, and, and maybe that's how you're feeling, that you're just, you know, you're, you're, you know that he's coming back, but if he hasn't come back in the last thousand years, the two thousand years, even then, there's there's a low chance he's going to turn up tomorrow. And maybe if that's what you're like, well, then there's a challenge to us, isn't there? To be people who are waiting, not just faithfully, but expectantly, and joyfully, because we see Elizabeth and the way that she responds, and she. She is joyful that God is working. She does not have questions. And she is not unsure about this. She is ready for it. She says, the Lord has done this for me. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace from among the people. When she knows that God is working, her heart is ready for it. And so we can be ready too. We can be excited. And I think the way that we do that is we stop focusing on everything that is, you know, wrong, everything that's messy about our lives. Like if Jesus turned up now and he, and he knew, you know, how lazy I was at work, he'd be very upset with me. If he saw how unclean my thoughts are, he would be very upset with me. But Elizabeth is talking, she's, she's about her relationship with God. She's excited because God is working in her and she has been chosen. The time that my, the place where I've lived has been the cleanest when I've been living, when I was living as a single man was when I was dating my wife, Emily, and she would come over to visit and I would keep the house clean because she could be coming at any time and I was so excited and I wasn't, I didn't feel bad about doing the washing up or vacuuming or I even tried to, you know, take the cushions off my couch once and vacuum that, but then all the duck feathers flew out. It's like there was a, I didn't even know there was a duck in there. How did that happen? And I spent a lot of time cleaning that up. Uh, but it was all a joy because it wasn't about the chores, it was about the person who was coming. And the joy of waiting expectantly isn't about, I've got to get my life right so that when Jesus turns up, he's impressed with me. But the joy of waiting is that one day Jesus is coming back and I will be with my Savior. And he will, he will, if, I, if I am dead, then he will raise me to life. If I'm not dead, he will transform me to be like him. And so we look expectantly to the arrival of the king because it's the king who we love and who loves us who is coming. It's not about the stuff we must do, but the one who is coming and we wait expectantly and joyfully like we see Elizabeth doing. But wherever you are in this, this is not a time to feel guilty about your waiting. If you're the unfaithful waiter, then it's time to to say, well, he is coming and he could come at any time. And he's coming because he loves you. And he wants you as part of his family. Put your trust in him and, and, and transform your life because that is the best way to live. And Elizabeth and Zechariah, they both got the blessing, even though Zechariah kind of got it a little bit wrong. He was still faithful. He was still, he was still waiting. He was still praying. And he still got to hold his son in his hand and know that through his son, God was at work. 
And so even if you're plodding along and you're still just trying to get it right, the blessing is still coming. Jesus isn't going to reject you when he turns up. But the greater blessing is to be not only to be excited when he actually turns up, but to be excited that it is coming. To be joyful in the waiting because you know that your God is coming to you. And so maybe this Christmas is a time not only to be excited about the fact that Jesus has come, but to remembering who it is who has come and who is coming again. As you read about the baby Jesus, know that he grew up to be a man and he came and he lived for us and he's coming back for us. That is not a story that just exists in the past, but it's a story we're in now and it's going to exist in the future too and we are going to be part of it and caught up in it. Jesus is coming and we can wait expectantly and excitedly because he is on his way. Come, Lord Jesus. How about I pray for us? Father God, we thank you uh, that you are a God who keeps his promises, uh, that we see in Zechariah and Elizabeth faithful people who are working hard to obey you, faithful people who are waiting for you and praying for you to work, people who are uh, joyful when it worked, some people who were surprised that you were working, uh, but they saw that your promises came true and they got to be part of it. We will probably not have any role to play like Zechariah and Elizabeth, but we do get to be people who are part of your family. We do get to be people who wait to see you work. And we do get to be people who will be caught up in your eternal kingdom when you return in your son Jesus. We pray that as we wait for Jesus to return, that we will be people who are joyful, that we're not focused on everything we must get right or everything we're getting wrong, but we're focused on the one who is coming and that we will allow our lives to be transformed through your spirit because we want to be ready for him when he comes. We pray that Jesus will come and come soon so that we might see him transform us and transform this world to be the world that we are looking forward to it being. Amen. Well, that was the talk. Thanks for listening. I hope it was helpful for you. If you want more talks to watch my videos, order my books or book me to speak, go to tomfrench.com.au. It's my home on the internet. You can also find me on Facebook at facebook.com slash twfrench or on Insta or YouTube at twfrench as well. And don't forget to give this podcast a rating and review wherever you get your podcast so that other people might be able to discover it. Till next time, have a good one.